I think what I'm just saying, I'm just honouring Dave being a good dad, but also Gabriel being a good son, knowing where to direct his cry. Because we always have a bit of pain going on, on in our lives, in our heads, in our hearts, but we're not always sure where to direct that cry. And maybe mum isn't around, maybe dad's not around. But the story of the Bible, that there is a God who's around. He's called Jesus. And there's a promise in the Bible, and Steve just prayed it when we were in the room praying before. When we come close to him, he comes close to us. So Dave and Gabriel, we just honour you for being good dad and a good son. And we'll see how things go, Dave. We'll maybe do a bit more later. But otherwise, we'll just call you one-hit wonder, Dave, from now on. <laughs> like such a diva coming all this way just for one song. It's like, I only travel for one, you know. <laughs> uh, well, listen, now we're going to have the honour um, of Julie coming to read some scripture to us. And um, this is a season where we're stepping into uh, called Sabbath. And Sabbath may be one of those words that you know nothing about, you know everything about. The word Sabbath can fill you with dread or it could fill you with delight. The word Sabbath could mean you have this image of, oh, here's all the things I'm not allowed to do or here's some of the things I'm allowed to do. But what we're going to do now is Julie's just going to read the first chapter in the first book of the Bible called Genesis. So thanks, Julie. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the waters under the vault from the waters above it. And so, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land, that bear fruit and with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vaults of the sky to give light on earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. 
and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing which the water, with which the water teems, and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Thank you so much, Julie. And and as we hear the uh, creation story unfold, I nearly want to put music to it, because there's a beautiful rhythm, and if not a dance, to this creative story unfolding and as part of the story unfolds we have this beautiful moment at the end where God is pleased at the end of each day and at the end he sits back and he rests as well and I wonder as part of us for our helpful understanding of what the word Sabbath means is sometimes us forgetting the former and taking on the new or been refreshed in that. I think it's just a stunning moment when we, in the context of the world that we live in, where so much of it is go, 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 we hear that God resting. And I was a little nervous today by starting with letting you know some of the things that are happening in the season ahead at Calar Vineyard. Because I don't want you to hear, hey, we're getting busy. I do not want us to be a busy church. I don't want us to be 
a busy people. I want us to be a people who are keeping in step and walking with Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to put that little moment there. We hope that everything that we're putting into place is life-giving. A place that we can receive life, but also give life as well. And these other things which were um, got in pipeline as well, that we'd love to talk about you in the next few weeks as well. So when I think about Sabbath, I often think that this is one of the most misunderstood and concepts in Scripture. And there's also a little disclaimer here. I feel a little bit maybe more qualified to speak about synchronized ice skating in the Russian Federation in 1980s. So I'm letting you know that I am learning in the whole thing of Sabbath. I'm at times probably disobedient in the things of Sabbath and hypocritical um, in the moments of Sabbath. Is there any base that I haven't covered there? I've probably, when I look back in my own life, I've probably overvalued Sabbath and I've undervalued it. I think at times I've thrown it out of the window completely because I've thought, well, Jesus has come to overrule everything and we can do what we want, when we want, with whoever we want. And there's other times where I've probably become a bit legalistic and had strong opinions for myself and especially for other people. And that kind of person's fun to be around, eh? So what we're trying to find is what this middle ground looks like. What is God saying to us about Sabbath? And today is just a bit like when you go to a wedding and somebody comes around with a little um, tray of hors d'oeuvres. You're just tasting some stuff today. Because uh, we started Reset on Wednesday night and it's, it's not too late to sign up to Reset. Uh, Reset is happening on every Wednesday night between now and Easter, apart from half term. And this is just a group of people who are serious about one another, serious about loving Jesus in the city, and serious about um, wrestling out some of these themes. So Shelley did a brilliant job on Sunday. We're all around the table with tea and coffee and the best cake ever. And she introduced the themes of Sabbath. And John Mark Comer helpfully breaks Sabbath into four aspects. Stop. Rest, delight, and worship. And over the next few weeks at Reset and here on Sunday, we're going to be unpacking a little bit more about Sabbath. But there might be some of us thinking, Andy, it's old school. I know all of this already. And some of us may be going, I have no idea what you're even on about. Never even heard that word Sabbath. Well, we're all okay in this space. See, I wonder how we view Sabbath is connected to how we view God. If we view God as a bit like a librarian who's been in the job for too long and doesn't really like loud noises, then how we live and how we Sabbath will reflect that. If we view God as an angry headmaster, or if we view God as um, a taskmaster, then how we Sabbath will reflect that. And that's why this is just a beautiful moment before Dave just modeling what a good dad 
looks like. Because the Bible talks to us about a heavenly father who is good, who is good, who is good. And you know, when I think about the creation story, and that's why we make no apology for reading out the creation story. You know, and some of the animals that were made, some of the noises that they would have. Like, you can't imagine if God was a strict librarian on when it came to the Sabbath day, and the elephant gives its glory, you know, the... Uh, What's an elephant noise? Was that... That's like Darth Vader type thing. Everybody's laughing, but nobody's saying, let me tell you exactly how an elephant makes. Trump, Trump, Trump. That's the word. Trump, 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 Trump. Right, when the elephant trumps on that Sabbath, I don't even... Ah, yeah, I see what... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that sounds now. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know where my, my mind's gone a few different places there. So stop. Yeah, yeah, Mark, that's brilliant. So you imagine the lion giving out his glory, his roar that makes the leaves quiver. You don't imagine the rest of creation going, shh, it's the Sabbath. Quiet. God doesn't like loud noises. You don't imagine the most beautiful of flowers, whether the bird of paradise flower, not getting to be its full self because God doesn't like creativity. See, the word Sabbath, and I would love for me to hear this and for you to hear this, the word Sabbath is not life-taking, but life-giving. The word Sabbath is not life-taking, but life-giving. Giving. The word Sabbath isn't, not just the word, Sabbath is a gift from a heavenly Father to the whole of the universe. The whole of the universe. The word Sabbath is a gift to the land. The word Sabbath is a gift to the human people. The word Sabbath is a gift. It is countercultural in every way, especially in the go, go, go. So today is an invitation for us to consider, perhaps even embrace, that Sabbath isn't just a list of things to do or not to do, but it is a gift from a kind father. Somebody once said, If you go against the universe, you get splinters. And I would say, if you go against Sabbath, you get splinters. Going against Sabbath is a bit like going a different pace that we were designed to go. And we will be taking more time in the coming weeks to unpack this thing of Sabbath. But I would like you to consider that Sabbath is a gift. It's designed to bring us life. And it's heavenly permission for us to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. 
Sabbath is not made for the rule keepers. It's made for us. Jesus was the one who would often get the religious leaders of the day their heckles up. One day, so he says this in Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? These, um, these Pharisees were all about rules. They're all about keeping rules for themselves and especially for other people. So they weren't following Jesus to learn. They were looking, they were following Jesus to catch him out and other people out. And as soon as they saw something, they were like, aha, aha, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Because they thought the Sabbath was lifeless. Jesus spoke. Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said this to them. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord, even over of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is not this list of rules that you're not allowed to do. It's not about things that you should be doing. It's about stopping. It's about resting. It's about delighting. And it's about worship. I think part of our challenge we want to reflect on is this kind of comes down to whose voice or what soundtrack are we listening to? What soundtrack or which voice determines what our life looks like? I don't know, for those of you who were born in my generation, there's this advert and it was uh, the soundtrack was, I think, by ACDC and it was the LucasAid advert. Do you remember that one? Maybe I did. I dream it. Maybe. But as soon as the advert come on, it was all go 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 go. Keep going. 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 It was relentless, relentless. And then you had another advert. Do you remember Mr. Soft? And he was all like super relaxed. He was like he was walking in a hammock. And this contrast that we see is some of the contrast we have when it comes to our life. Like some of the soundtracks or some of the voices that we live under, it is like speed metal. It's relentless and there's no resting, there's no stopping, there's no delight and there's no worship. 
And some of us, there's a soundtrack, it's so chilled out, so whatever, we have no idea when we're resting, no idea when we're working, no idea what rest, or proper rest, or proper delight, or delight or worship is. So what we're trying to find is this road that works for life, for each of us. So when I consider what's the soundtrack playing over me, or which voices playing over me, I don't know which one comes to mind for you. But we will find it hard to stop, to rest, to delight and worship, if we're living under the voice of FOMO. Now, I've only found out what FOMO means in the last couple of years. The fear of missing out. But if you're living under FOMO, you'll find it really hard to stop, rest, delight and worship. Because in that moment, you're always thinking, I should be somewhere else. Or something else is happening better than this. And you're going to be skating around wherever. You're going to be chasing life, but it's a bit like a mirage. Because when you get there, you'll find that there's a group of people who've also got FOMO. So I don't know if that's the voice you're listening to. Maybe your voice is perfectionism. And perfectionism starts off looking really great. But perfectionism is a cruel, cruel master. Because when you think you've got there, and you're just about to lay this piece of work down, perfectionism says, hmm, but you thought it's excellent, and you're like, look, I've finished, and they're like, hmm, and you're like, what do you mean, hmm, I've given my all to this, and they're like, no, it's, no, it's good, and you're like, what do you mean, what do you mean, but perfectionism will never say, well done, you are done. Perfectionism will never allow you to stop, rest, delight, and worship. Perhaps you find yourself in religion. Perhaps yourself, you find yourself in meaningless toil. Perhaps you find yourself in marginless living. And marginless living is like, you know, as a kid at school, you have margins on the side, and you're meant to keep within the margin, but somebody's need is greater, so you're like, oh, I'll just go over the margin a little bit, and somebody else needs to come along, and then suddenly, you're suddenly, and then you're at the edge of the page every time. And it's not just for a day, but it feels like it's for a week, it's for a month. And some of you may be thinking, Andy, it's not been a month, it's been years. That is just relentless. Perhaps your master is the voice that you've an inability to say no. Perhaps your thing is you've got an inability, and this is perhaps one of the most important um, ways to communicate love and connection ever. Do you want to see what this left hand can do? It's like two moments, and it can communicate something Way beyond words. Do you want to see what it is? It's quite a big deal. Do you want to see it? Okay. If you're ever with someone and you want to communicate to them 
something more than words, more than actions, more than money, more than gifts. Here's what you do. You get your phone out and you move it down to the settings and then there's that one with the aeroplane on and you press it. And then you put your phone face down and you look at them. Because what you're saying in that moment, I am here for you. So when I understand Sabbath, I understand that there's an invitation from God to put the airplane setting on and put my phone down. Now, on one sense, I'm talking about a mobile phone. But that phone is symbolic of whatever the thing is. Does that make sense? So Sabbath is about airport setting face down so that I can turn my face fully to stop, to rest, to delight and worship. So I want to declare over you with the heavenly father's voice and it says this come to me put the airport setting on put your phone face down and turn your face to me and I will give you rest I will teach you to walk in a rhythm of work and rest, delight, and worship. Learn from me a new, unforced rhythm of grace, where work and rest complement each other, where delight and sleep hold hands, where worship oozes from the very core of who you are. You know, in the Jewish tradition, Their day does not start at 7 or 8 a.m. It starts the night before. And they start with sleep. They start with rest. And I wonder how much we've lost in our materialistic go, go, go context. So Sabbath... It's not so much about a day, it's more about a way. Sabbath is a gift and not a chore. And if there's any picture that helps me understand what Sabbath is, it's this story in the Bible that Julie didn't, um, it's the next couple of chapters after Julie was reading, where God takes and invites Adam to walk in the cool of the evening. Now, the cool of the evening is not a January in Carlisle. You don't need your big coat in that context. So you know that cool of the evening and the summer's night? There's a moment of Sabbath invitation from you, from the Father, for each one of us there. So this is not the end of a conversation. There's more wrestling to be done. But I just want to invite you 
that there's moments to stop, to rest, delight and worship.